Hello and welcome to another edition of the American Scouter podcast. Uh, uh, with me tonight, I do have Timuchin and Gordo. How are we, guys? How's it going? Hey, what's going on? Uh, yeah, all good. Uh, before we get into it, guys, there's just a big couple of little uh, things that we want to address, really, before we start. Um, we're going to be a lot more active, really, with the American Scotia. You've probably seen a lot more blogs and a lot more posts in the last probably week or, week or two. Um, it's something that we really want to get going for the new season. Um, so if you guys, you know, like, share, subscribe to us, click on the blogs, let you know your thoughts. Um We've also, as you've probably seen, some of you guys are on our um, Facebook group, which is the uh, Liverpool FC America Facebook group. Um, please come in. We're always open to suggestions of how we can improve what you guys want to hear us talk about, um, what you guys want to see us write about. It's all about having a community of fans over here in America. And me with my American accent, of course, and then Timmy Chum with his American accent. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's all about having a community and it's about, you know, us sharing our common experiences. So please let us know what you think um, of the blogs, of the podcast, if there's anything you want to hear us talk about, write about, let us know. Join our Facebook group. Again, that's Liverpool FC America. Get involved. We've got some cool guys now looking after the group. Um, all a nice, good, open discussion, friendly discussion with other fellow Liverpool fans from around America. Talking about your experiences, what's in the news, um, all that jazz. So, yeah, please get involved and uh, yeah, we'll get started. So, in the private Facebook group, I did um, have a shout out. It was like, get your questions, to be honest. Um, Again, the community want to know what you guys want to, want us to talk about. So I've had a few comments, I've had a few questions here, guys. Uh, the first one, I'm sorry if I'm going to get your name wrong, but that's probably going to happen. Uh, I'm going to go with <coughs> Alicia D. Artola. Now, please message me and say, no, you've completely ruined my name there, if I have. <laughs> but anyway, I think this is a really interesting question, actually. She's put, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident that Rian Brewster will come good as a first-team squad player this coming season? Now, maybe the one to ten thing could be a, a thing that we can kind of grade at the end. But uh, Tim, I'll come to you first. Rian Brewster, uh, you've got Daniel Sturridge leaving the club. You've also got Harry Wilson coming back. Um, I think there's competition there, but he has definitely been promised minutes to sign that new contract, hasn't he? Yeah, I think that was kind of part of the deal. You know, we wanted to keep him, gave him the contract, uh, kind of said, you know, hey, you're part of the long-term plans, and uh, that kind of made him sit. And obviously, he had the injury and everything like that, too. I mean, I'll be honest, I've only watched a few gays of the kid. Uh, I mean, you guys know what I think about YouTube videos. I just don't trust those to be able to evaluate the player, like, you know, as a whole. Uh, but... On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being confident, I think it's kind of like a trick question, too. Like, if we're talking right now, I would probably put it as a 6 or 7. Uh, but I do anticipate us signing someone for the front line. Uh, so that could kind of, like, lower that number a little bit. Uh, and knowing some of the expectations that Klopp has of people that are going to be 
on the field. I mean, even a player experience like Shakiri has struggled with, you know, being able to keep up with the responsibilities that Klopp gives and expects on the field, mostly defensively, more than offensively. I think, you know, these guys have, you know, kind of like play their natural way to their skills and stuff like that when they're attacking, but especially defending, it's very structured, uh, the responsibilities they have. And that kind of takes time to learn, even a play like Shakiri or, you know, Nabi, you know, those guys took a long time to kind of get used to things, even Fabinho. So I think for him to get, you know, a regular playing time, I would probably put it at three or four, uh, only because I'm expecting us to sign somebody else for the front line, even though, even if it's a backup to like, you know, Mani and Salah to, you know, give those guys some like breathers, but uh, but if you do not sign somebody, and if this kid is all that's made out to be, yeah, you can go up to seven, I guess. But with Divac definitely staying, sounds like, I think Divac has that, like, first dibs in terms of coming off the bench for the front three right now. Yeah. Uh, Gold I'll come to you there. With Rian, I think he's been promised minutes. Um, I know he was linked with um, Borussia Mönchengladbach, I want to say, last summer. Uh, Liverpool managed yeah, to convince him to stay. Yeah. I think, I think there's two things I notice about him, which is the really incestant part. Number one, Klopp loves to play four-one-three-two when he has the players, and he also you can see that he needs an option to rest his front three. The other thing that I really liked about him was when on the European Cup final, he was centre stage. He didn't care. Now that tells me that it's a man with attitude. It's confidence. To go, yeah, I know I haven't played, but I'm still having photos with the trophy. I'm still walking around like I own the place. And I'm a big fan of that. Um, I don't know what you think about him. Do you think he can go and get some minutes this season? Um, I did read a stat today that if Liverpool go all the way in all their competitions next season, we have a potential to play 67 games. Um, so more than likely, we are going to need a bigger squad, most definitely. Yeah, that was, that was actually going to be one of my points before you even brought it up, so was a nice transition on your part. Um, but oh, I, I like, this, <laughs> I like this, his swagger really impresses me. Like he, he definitely feels um, that he belongs. And I, I don't think it's an act. I really think that that's how he portrays himself. And, and to be in the front line of Liverpool, I think that's something that you need. Um, the Premier League is, is definitely a step up from any competition, um, especially coming from the U21s. Uh, it's, it's a lot tougher of a league, so you, you do kind of need to have that confidence so they don't get beat down. The only thing that worries me is I felt the same way about, maybe not so much with the swagger, but um, uh, Ben Woodburn. I really I liked him. I thought that he was going to be um, a good second option for us, and he kind of just fell off the, the face of the earth. And then he had his loan deal was cut short because he wasn't getting the minutes. And, I mean, he, he kind of went on a favor um, in Sheffield. And so – I, I, that's the only thing that worries me. But, I mean, if you're playing him with two of the three fours that we currently have, I mean, if you're mixing them in here and there just to give people rest, uh, as long as they know where the goal is, you can probably get one or two. Um, you can get involved in play. Um, obviously, we're really looking for a good replacement for Firmino, somebody that can come in for him uh, when he needs a rest. And I don't, I don't think Brewster's that guy, but I think that he's probably good for one or two goals. And it really does come down to how deep we can go in the FA Cup and the League Cup because those, those competitions are going to be where his minutes will come from. And if we can 
get two or three games out of each of them. I, I think that that's where we'll see um, that's where we'll see him see him light up. But I think that you guys are right in touching on Klopp definitely makes his players work and earn those minutes. So we def- he definitely needs the time. And I think the, at, at first the only place he's going to get it from is League Cup, FA Cup. Um, it's going to be a really small window to prove himself. But uh, if he can do it, I think he, he could become a regular down the stretch. Tim, mm. I'm going to throw something at you on this on this kid. Charity Shield. You've got Salah and Mane coming back late from the African Cup of Nations. You've got Roberto Firmino potentially coming back late from the Cup of America. We don't really have a striker. Now, you're under the impression that we're definitely going to sign someone. I don't think we are, but I think that's really for another show, really, like a transfer show. It is not a, it's not out of the possibility that he does start him at the Charity Shield, the charity shield because he loves Sarigi off the left. Everyone knows that. He, he does prefer him off the left. We're, we're going to have players like Oxley chamberlain now. It's going to be a very, very big shout for him. He might, he might pencil that game in and go, I can think I can get a starter. Yeah, I, mean, I think he's going to... That's his opportunity, isn't it? The fact that these guys are going to be gone and probably going to be coming back late, which, you know, that's a whole other topic by itself in terms of, like, the timing of the game. But... Um, I mean, yeah, you're right. That's his opportunity there to be able to kind of like show that he's ready and he can do it. But having said that, do we, like Gordon is saying, if you don't keep progressing in the League Cup and FA Cup, I just don't see him, you know, obviously like starting when those guys are all back. Uh, he's going to go down to, you know, you have your front three, I think he's going to go back to behind Divock. So barring an injury... I think he still would not get, you know, as much playing time. And I do not see us, uh, and I'm sure, you know, we'll talk transfers in a bit, but, I mean, I do not see us signing someone big, like a big name, like all these names that are being, obnoxious names that are being thrown around. Uh, But I do think we're going to force that line, if nothing else, to replace uh, Sturge on the roster. Mm. I I think it's interesting, God. It's very tough because if you would have sat here at the start of last season, you would have said, well, Divock Origi's not playing. You know, that's what we would have thought. We would have said, Divock's not playing, Sturridge is ahead of him. Uh, you know, we would have all, we all we were all thinking Oxley Chamberlain's probably back by March. Um, and we were all thinking that he's probably not going to get a game. And then injuries, of course. It is very, very clear that he needs someone to rest behind Firmino, that he wants to give Firmino a break. He does like 4-1-3-2, playing two up top. That's why I think he likes Shakiri. I can see Rian getting minutes. I do see the Charity Shield as probably his biggest chance. Where if he does start or he does get twenty or thirty minutes, that he's probably going to kick on and get the same kind of minutes for the rest of the season. Yeah, that's clearly it, it's nice and early. Um, he won't have too much competition to get into it. But you're absolutely right in in saying this time last year, I thought Rian would be the first name out the door. Um, I didn't didn't give him much of a, a chance. I know that his his Wolfsburg um loan completely just capitulated. They had an awful season. Um and there really wasn't much good press coming out of Germany about him. Um and I just I really thought that it was his chance had passed him by. Um but here we are. I mean twelve months later and, and definitely I think that he's the first sub off the bench um, in that forward position. But uh, it definitely, I think that a, a change of formation 
is definitely going to suit um, Brewster, and so it's going to bring him in for sure. It's going to allow him to to break it break into the club. And like I said before, it's going to be a small window. He's not going to get much of an opportunity. It, it might just be that game to prove himself. Um, it's not a super big stage. I know that the Community uh, Shield is is more of a uh, a festival to kick off the new season. It's, it's not a whole lot there, but it is bragging rights. It is uh, something that you can put in the trophy cabinet. So um, I think that it's it's a perfect stage for him to announce himself. Yeah, I think I kind of agree. But so yeah, thank you very much for your question, Alicia. Um, again, something about Ryan. I'll move on to the next one. JL Roberts. Now, fella. What have you done to me here? I've got nightmares to come out Fucking hell, bro. Jürgen Klopp suddenly resigns tonight. Who should be on the shortlist to replace him? And how would that replacement impact the system that's being put in place? Now, JL Robin, I don't want to think about this. Never, never mind have a conversation. Because you were generous enough to get your question in, we will entertain the fact that Jürgen Klopp Resigned tonight, Gordon. I'm coming to you first. Please, please come up with a logistical idea that Jürgen Klopp's never going to retire ever in the history of the world. And number two, who would you bring in hypothetically, of course, if that did happen? The only one that I kind of have got in the back of my brain. Of course, the perfect scenario would be Pep Guardiola, but that's not really realistic. Um, would be uh, Tuchel out of PSG. I quite like him. Like that was Dortmund's side play when they came to Anfield. Um, that was kind of the only one that stood out to me. Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah. Jose, he's got a. Yeah, he's, he's never going to retire. I know, right. I know. He's, he's going to be there. He's got an obligation yeah. to stay with us for, for the rest of his life. And uh, if, we I, wait, yes. if we wait a couple more years, um, we might have. Some some really good stem cell research that comes out that stops aging, <laughs> and uh, he can just be the manager for the rest of his rest of eternity. But if it does happen, yeah. some some awful nightmare befalls on all of us. I think um, I would definitely I think Tuchel like right now is probably would be my my bet too. Um, I like the way that he sets up teams. Um, he goes at he goes at teams. Um, he sets up. He, he's a good tactical manager. I think that's really what. Liverpool need. Um, we've kind of seen the the gung ho approach, and uh, it's exhilarating and it's fun, but it definitely costs us a lot of goals. Um, so I think that we sort of need to be a little bit more reserved, um, play for the long run, the long seasons. I think he would be a good manager for it. But if my heart were to decide, I would say to to bring uh, Steven Gerrard over from Rangers. Um, I don't think he's quite ready for the Premier League yet, but um, I think that, that that would be a more of a publicity stunt than anything. But, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things that uh, I am not prepared for and I didn't think – I don't think and I don't want to think about life after Klopp. So it was definitely a, a difficult one to, to kind of wrap my brain around. Uh, yeah, Gerard, uh, man. This is all hypotheticals. So let's just fucking go for Gerard. Uh, you know, uh, he's, a, he's a beautiful man. Don't mind seeing him on the sideline. Uh, Tim, come to you, fella. What are you thinking here? Uh, really tough, actually, on a serious, you know, a serious part about it. it. If he does leave tomorrow, there's probably there's not many available where you look and go, he could probably shoot the system and shoot these players. Really tough, I think. 
Uh, Neil Warner comes to mind. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, but <laughs> yeah, I would love to see him like whine after every game. But um, I honestly, yeah, it's kind of like a hard. I saw the question and I was like, man, that's kind of like a horrifying thought. Why would you even put that in your head? But uh, it's almost morbid. Uh, but. Honestly, you would almost, I mean, to answer this question in terms of, like, to fit the style, I, I mean, maybe we're just, you know, so enamored with the guy, but uh, have, like, a man crush on club. But I don't think there's another person that I can think of that is like him. Personality-wise, approach-wise, that would fit this team. And this team does not play this well, perform this well, win number six without Klopp, his man managements and, you know, like how they prepare for games overall, like how everybody is ready to contribute, the whole like team atmosphere. I mean, that's what makes adding to this team very difficult because it's a good team. It's not like built around one person or, you know, like just two players and stuff like that. It's a solid team that kind of like works together. So I do not really have a lot of names. I mean, Gerard is probably like the sentimental name that you, we would throw out there, but would he be able to continue what Klopp does on a daily basis? I do not think so. I don't think he's ready for that. But having said that, that's not a you know indictment on Gerard. It's more like I can't think of a lot of people who can. You would need somebody who's uh, very experienced and kind of like has that energy. I know, man. I mean, it's kind of hard. And, you know, I always talk about, like, how my brother is, you know, disgrace of the family and is a United fan. And he's jealous yeah. as hell because, you know, they had the chance at one time to get Klopp. And he knows, you know, wherever Klopp was going to go, especially given the resources that he did get at Liverpool as well, that he was going to create something very successful. It's his personality, how he manages people. The dude can't be duplicated. I hate to say it, but if that happens and resigns tomorrow, um, I'm calling my doctor getting some heart medicine because I just don't think we can replace him anytime soon. I can't think of one name that would be able to duplicate what the guy does. I mean, yeah, you can come up with a lot of like good managers that can kind of you know handle the squad and stuff. But in terms of the success, what he gets out of the team – he maximizes every player. He improves every player. I mean, you can't name a lot of players that have, like, you know, gone backwards under his regime, whereas you can point out a lot of players that have, like, flourished. So, yeah, let's just hope it doesn't happen and ask, like, pretend like this question that didn't even come up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we all agree on Warnock. He'll have Virgil van Dijk up front. He'll walk in first day of training and go, you're big, mate. You can have the ball for me. But you there you go, lad. He's going to get mugged off. Hey, I'm a centre-half, boss. Oh, no, no, no. You're not a centre-half now, fella. You're going up there, big headers. Go on. Elbows. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll go with Neil Warnock, mate. Uh, but actually, JL has been kind enough to uh, send in another question, which I think is a really interesting subject, um, especially with the old Women's World Cup on right now. Um is, if, is there a foreseeable future where LFC women will have enough support to send them on a pre-season tours overseas? Is the interest in women's football growing fast enough to promote, to promote the women's team in a fashion similar to the men's squad in the near future? And that's a really like, interesting question. I think it's kind of like a question on women's football overall. Do we see it growing? Um, Tim, I'll come to you. I, I think it's really interesting. Now, this World Cup, of course, I think it's the most 
feud World Cup for the women's ever. They get starting to there's a lot of professional footballers now women's football. I'd never see it being as big as the men's, um, but I do see it finding its own following in the sport where people will go and people will enjoy it. I do have a friend that plays for Barcelona. I used to play with her. Her name is Tony Duggan. Plays for England also. She used to run rings around me, so that kind of says it all more about my ability than hers. But uh, <laughs> get, uh, <laughs> no, she she was that good. Um, but yeah, I think it kind of sees now, especially where it's grown in the last ten years of where it is now. It's really, really good to see. Yeah, I, mean, I follow you know women's soccer closely because my daughters play uh, played. Uh, my older daughter's in college now, but youngest one still plays like travel and stuff like that. And obviously, we follow it. And especially in this country, it's a kind of a different deal because obviously they're like a lot more successful than the men's team. Uh, so they get a lot more attention. They get a lot more following. And, you know, the soccer is a growing sport here, especially for, like, girls' soccer. So there's, like, a huge following for them, and they're successful. So I think financially is probably a lot more viable here. Answering his question in terms of, like, Liverpool's, um, you know, you know, going on the tours like the women's team and stuff, I, that really depends on – I mean, in most countries – uh, you know, like bigger uh, clubs uh, that are not only football clubs. Uh, some of these supports that actually do not bring money are basically subsidized by the ones that do. You know, when you have teams like, you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona, uh, there are actually sports clubs, not only football clubs. They have teams that do, you know, volleyball, basketball and stuff like that. So even if they don't make money, they're kind of like sponsored and kind of like partially subsidized by the team that does make money, which is the football club. I mean, like my team back home uh, in Turkey, like Fenerbahce, is the same thing. It's a sports club. Uh, heck, even the football club doesn't make money now, but still, when it did make money, uh, they would basically support all the other teams coming from there. So I don't think financially it would be viable by itself to do it, but with the interest growing, I can definitely see the women's team of Liverpool coming here. I just don't know if it will be going into the Asian markets and stuff like that, uh, just because over here they would get a lot more attention and probably it would be financially viable, but I don't know. Down the road, I think it's going to grow more and more and more. There's a lot more interest to it. And, and it, I mean, we're in the U.S., so we're probably looking at it totally more biased than, you know, in Europe, just because the women's team is so much better and more successful than the men's team and has been for a quite some time now, so they get a bigger following. But I think it's when it comes to, I mean, everything comes down to the dollars at the end of the day. So I don't see it being financially doable unless it's almost sponsored and covered by, you know, the men's team that travels with them and stuff like that. Yeah, I think, uh, God, I think Tim brings up a really good point there. I think the only way that we're going to get them on preseason tours and things is that if Liverpool come over as a collective, they come over to play a couple of women's teams over here, the team and the men's playing a couple of teams. So, for example, we're coming over in the summer tournament um, and then the women's team come along with them and play kind of different dates and play against teams. That's the only kind of way I can see it happening. Yeah, it would probably have to be almost a doubleheader. You get like the, you get both tickets for it. Um, I remember that they used to do that with the Chicago Fire and the U.S. women's national team would sometimes play or like They'd have two different international teams to play at Soldier Field, 
um, women's teams, and then the Chicago Fire will play right after them just to fill seats in. Um, it is definitely bigger here. I think that they it, it wouldn't be unsuccessful. I think they probably would get more people that watch the games here than they probably do regularly at home. I know that when you get uh, when you become a member, an official member, or a season ticket holder, you get the women's game for free. So um, even if you you know doesn't matter where you live, uh, even if you don't have a season ticket, you can go and see them for free as well as the the U21 teams. So they're obviously the following is not as large, otherwise they'd be charging for those tickets. But I think that the only way that it would be feasible and financially um, attainable for the club would definitely be to come over together um, and play the different teams across here. Because I actually think that our women's league in the U.S. is is probably better than than the ones in Europe. Um, but now that we're talking about women's soccer, I'm going to plug my my uh, SIU alumni, Carbondale, go dogs, uh, Libby Scout, or Libby Scout, um, who actually played for Western Kentucky um, and then went on to play for Liverpool. She won the title with them in 2014. She was just announced the uh, assistant coach to like the first year that uh, the women's game is going to be D1, a D1 sport. So it's pretty exciting. I'm probably going to go down, watch a few games next year for him. Um, so that, that's pretty cool. A little bit of tie-in with uh, with my college and and Liverpool. Nice, nice man. I think it's a I think it's really good. It's I think it's great the way it's growing. Um, I think the level that it's it's picked up immensely. The level, especially, I used to I, I, I used to watch it years ago uh, when I was a lot younger, and it was always felt a lot slower, a lot more lethargic. Now when I'm watching the World Cup, it look it's a lot quicker. The ball's getting moved a bit more. Looks like a lot more quality. But that's what happens, I think, when you treat them like athletes, full time professional athletes. You're getting better players, so that's how it works. But to tie this up, actually, guys, one word answer, please. Who thinks going to win the World Cup, Tim? Uh, what was the question? I'm sorry. Will the US win the World Cup? Who's gonna win it? Who do you uh, think? For the women's, I think US will take it. Go though. Yeah, that's. I would have to go. I'm not seeing too much other stuff. I know Japan was one of the um, was one of the favorites, but they're not looking so hot so far. So I'm definitely gonna go with the US. Well, then I'll go with England and just for me friend do plays for them. Not because where I'm from, you know. <laughs> that's another question altogether on a. Uh, um, that's another podcast we can do all together on Patreon. Uh, being patriotic and being from Liverpool, it can't doesn't go, but we can do a podcast specially on that. Uh, <laughs> I've got another uh, question here from Alan Walnut. Your your last name, my bro, is absolutely nuts. Uh, with the growth of football in the Asian markets and the high sales of jerseys, what chances are there of a tour or tournament in Asia, particularly South Korea and India? God, I come to you. I, I think the Indian one's really, really interesting. It's a huge country. It's a massive country, and I don't know if the, the stadiums are built for them. I'm not 100 percent sure. I, I'm not going to say I'm an expert on this, but it seems really interesting that there's kind of like an untapped market, especially when I look at India and Egypt, and especially of course with the draw of Mo Salah at the moment. It seems like you know it's something definitely that teams should be looking into. Oh, for sure. And now they've got uh, a pretty big um, Premier League cricket. I think they've got like eight or nine teams now with with pretty large stadiums. So yeah, I'm not sure the actual sizes. I don't know if they're you know sixty thousand and above, but at least they're most of them are pretty new, pretty well kept. 
but yeah, it is a completely untapped market. I know that whenever Liverpool have done those those Asian tours, um, the reception's been unbelievable. Uh, my dad always talks about the um, the Australian. I believe it was in Australia with the hundred yeah. hundred twenty thousand singing. You'll never walk alone. My dad's convinced yeah. that it's probably the greatest rendition of of that song that the clubs ever walked out to. So they definitely have a, have a big following, and and like you said, it's such a big country, and and they do have. I mean, most countries now have really good access to the Premier League. It's been spread really well. It's not really been conglomerated um, and and kept up with with one um, out news outlet or, or station that's showing the games. So everyone's kind of getting more into it and they've got access to, to view games and, and now with buying stuff on the internet, you can get jerseys. You don't have to visit the, the team store um, to go get it, get yourself a jersey. So it's definitely opening up and I think it's, it's a lot bigger. And, and every single year the, the Champions League gets bigger. And, and when you've been in the final two years in a row, it does nothing but grow your fan base. Yeah. Um, Tim, I'll come to you. Like, I'm, a, I'm a huge kicker fan. Um, so, in dear to me, one of the best teams in the world. People like, you know, when I was growing up anyway, Tendulkar and MS Stoney and Coley's probably one of the best players in the world right now. I think they've got a stadium in Kolkata which holds about 65, 70,000. So, it has got big stadiums out there. Especially, uh, I know we also mentioned South Korea. I know there's a lot of Asian tournaments. I think we went out there for a pre-season tournament a couple of years ago. Um, you know, two, three years ago, we won like the Premier League Asia Trophy. They called it. You know, that's one that's definitely on our uh, on our on those ball, uh, the Premier League Asia Trophy. But um, yeah, it seems like something at the Reds. We'd like to come back to America. I think maybe that's the thing with the owners. Um, being from here, and they want to try and grow the brand here. But it definitely seems something that India really hit me when he mentioned that. I was like, it really interesting that we haven't really been there, especially with there's so many people in the population. Yeah, I mean that's I. It's an interesting uh, option, just because of like you say, like the vast number of fans you can kind of appeal to, and the bigger market. One thing I do not personally know, uh, and would probably you know need someone who knows you know about the country a lot more is: is it a market where you know you can make money from? And the reason I say that is, you know, being from Turkey with my American accent. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, I would say about like 10 years ago, even though Turkey is a big country and stuff, uh, you can have all the fans in the world, but there was so much counterfeit, you know, like jerseys and stuff like that. As a club, you're not going to capitalize off of that. So there has been a lot done, you know, with Turkey trying to get into European Union and stuff, you know, without getting into all that kind of stuff that they have like, you know, monitor that a lot better. Everything is official so everything is ridiculously expensive again and stuff like that but the clubs can make money off of the stuff they sell i mean i'm not personally familiar with like you know the indian market and how that would work it's just a matter of you know it almost makes it seem like i almost wonder why haven't they because it almost seems too logical right i mean is there something that the you know the sponsors feel like they're not going to get their money's worth or the club doesn't feel like you know they will benefit the most financially from it like i said i don't know otherwise it feels like a no-brainer that's what makes me kind of almost question it or are we really that smart uh but I, 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 i've just uh i've just googled something then and they've got, they have, i think it might be one thing might be the weather i'll just google something and currently in a couple of places, it's 122 degrees. So, 
I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you want your players running around for no. ninety minutes after the end of the, a long hot summer where they've been eating ice cream and drinking pina coladas to come around and go. By the way, we're taking you to a, a, a country where it's one hundred and twenty-two degrees and you're going to be running around for ninety minutes. <laughs> so maybe it could be that. I'm not sure, but that's just a little. Uh, that's just a maybe anyway. But uh, I think it's. I say I think it's really interesting. Um, I'm not sure really. I know the Reds like the, the Reds like America. We keep coming back here. I think the brand is glow, um, grow, growing here, especially. Um, I think the more that we're going to be successful, the more people are going to know about us. I I was actually funny enough. I was in the bank um, a few weeks ago. It was the day after Liverpool beat Barcelona four 0 and you know the lady said, "Oh, where are you from?" I went to from Liverpool. She went, "Hasn't your team just beat Barcelona four 0 And I was like, "How do you know this?" She was on our news channel, so it can't, you know it was like making American news channels that this kind of thing happened, which is kind of unheard of. You know the brand is growing, especially. Um, what I'm gonna do, guys? I think we're gonna have a little, uh, have a little quick chat about the transfers. You know what? Why not? Because everyone loves to talk about them anyway. Gordo, I'll come to you. It's the first time in 27 years of my life I don't give a fuck if we sign anyone or not. We're the European champions. We're amazing. Do you actually care that someone if we sign anyone? This team got 97 points and got to a Champions League final, by the way. No. I uh, I also, I'm on the same boat. I don't mind. I don't think we need, I don't think we need a big name. Uh, I'd like to see a few. Um, I do think that we have, we have enough kids that if we really wanted to, to give them those spots behind our starting 11, I think we've got. We just need a little bit of depth. I'm not expecting any big names. I'm expecting expecting a couple more, like um, maybe Andy Robertson was a couple of years ago, where it was kind of like, all right, I know who he is. Not really too familiar with him. Not really a flashy signing. Not expecting much from him. And then, you know, the rest is history. I, I expect maybe one or two of those, kind of like a bargain deal that we just kind of get off somebody that either just got relegated or might just be just have missed out on coming up in the Premier League from the Championship. Um, five to twelve thousand dollars or twelve million, sorry, twelve thousand. Yeah, definitely take them. But uh, that'd be all right, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. One of them. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Superstar for twelve thousand. But you know, in in the market now, that's been completely saturated over the last three years with just ridiculous transfers. Uh, I don't think you can get a big name without spending some cash, and I really I don't feel that we need to do that. I think we talked a couple pods ago, too, about some of the teams um, that we are going to be challenging with. Obviously, City's one of them. Like When we're – our average age is 25, 24. I mean, we're in the prime of our life, and, and the cities of the world are aging. Um, they're the ones that yeah. need to, to fill the ranks, and I think that we've kind of got that on our side, and I think we should definitely definitely ride it, just start picking up some more diamonds in the rough, some young kids that will at least do the role, just – pretty much slot in when we need him to, but I, I, I think that our our top eighteen are good enough to, to carry us through. Yeah, uh Tim, I'll come to you. I think I, I spoke about it really like on the last pod, so I'm not really gonna go down, but when you look at the teams that are kind of challenging us, uh, Chelsea transfer ban, um Man City have just lost company. They have a thirty three year old David Silver, I think a thirty one year old Aguero. 35, 36-year-old Fernandinho. Um, um, that's just in our league alone. you got Tottenham who haven't signed anyone in 12 months. 
You've got Christian Eriksen on his last 12 months in his contract. Harry Kane hasn't been fit for two years. You could say, you know, you go to Real Madrid, they were just trying to sign everyone ever to ever play football. Um, at the moment, just to try and get back to where they want to be. You look at Barcelona, when you look at the age, they've, they've signed Coutinho and Dembele to try and replace the Messi and Suarez, and it doesn't look like any of them kind of worked out. Um, it looks like they don't want both of them. You look, look at Juventus, Ronaldo's going, hey, I want players around me so I can win the Champions League. He goes to the German League, he'll Bayern Munich, he just lost Robin and Ribery. It actually looks like Liverpool are probably the most set team in Europe right now in regard to the squad alone. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, heck, we just had like a second, Lucas a successful season in the Premier League. We won the Champions League. I mean, and the team is only getting better. You're getting Ox back next year. Uh, you know, players like Naby and Fabinho now have been in the system longer. I mean, everything is looking up, obviously. You know, the momentum and everything is in Liverpool's favor. I, I, that's why I don't think we will make any big signings, like, you know, the names that are being thrown around. But I do hope we do get more reinforcements to certain positions, like, you know, left back, obviously, to replace the Mike Moreno. Um, and I really think we do need more depth up front, where I think we have enough depth in midfield. Uh, to be able to, you know, like fill in for injury. There's so many movable parts there in terms of like different players. I think, you know, if we had an injury or two, you still have enough players to be able to fill those roles. I'm kind of concerned more about that when we come to the front three. And we have been relatively lucky and we have kind of like played these guys a lot of minutes last year. So it would be nice to have some you know, almost like a guaranteed quality coming off the bench. Uh, I mean, I just wrote a piece on Sturridge, for example. I mean, we kind of started last year where it looked like, holy cow, we have a great front three, and Sturridge was kind of like doing really well coming off the bench, and we were like, hey, and then we got a world-class yeah. player coming off the bench. And I know d scored some big goals, and I know he's your boy, but <laughs> I would still like to see some, you know, a good signing that we're going to be able to rely on, even if it is already has Premier League experience or a top league experience that can come off the bench or start for Mane or Salah so we don't kind of like run in, into the ground. And if like an injury happens, we're not worried about it. I think every other position, you know, we're pretty comfortable, right? I mean, apart from Goldie, obviously, we're going to need a backup Goldie too with more unlikely manually leaving. Uh, but it doesn't seem as a big of a concern. But I feel like, you know, like Robertson right now, obviously we have no replacement for. We really didn't last year either. We, I mean, Milner does a respectable job there, but it's obvious not his natural position. That's just him being a team player and like filling in a role where he's needed. Uh, but I feel like we would need more depth up front to be able to give these guys rest. And then, you know, God forbid an injury happens, you know, to be able to consistently start up there. So let me just be before uh, we have to some quick question on that one. So if I offer you now Mane, Salah, Firmino, Origi, Wilson and Brewster going into the new season, how would you feel? I'm not sold. Not sold? Do you want I'm not name? sold. I mean, I, okay, here's the thing. I, I'm just not as confident. Does that make sense? I mean, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like everybody is really big on Wilson, but... You know, we're watching him playing in the championship. I mean, obviously, preseason will tell a little bit about those two youngsters. Uh, but in terms of confidence going into the season, season uh, not really. I mean, potentially, yes. I mean, you know, Wilson can be good. But, I mean, we watched him play in the championship. 
So, and everybody, you know, like I say, it's another like, oh, you scored another free kick goal. That is great. But will he be able to fill the role in, in the Premier League? And that's a big if going into a season where I feel like you're kind of like stacked everywhere else. I would feel a lot more comfortable if we had another name up front that we can rely on. Mm, fair enough. Um, yeah, we'll wrap, I think we'll wrap it up there, guys. Um, just before we go, I did say it at the start, but yeah, if you want to get involved in our Facebook group, um, it's called Liverpool FC America. Um, that's where you'll find most of our blogs, of course. Please follow the page, American Scouser, on, on Facebook. Also on Twitter, um, give us a follow, give us a like, give us a share. You'll be getting a blog nearly every day. You'll be getting more podcasts. Let us know in your comments what you want us to talk about. If you want to hear us talk shit, you can ask us anything. We don't care. We'll let answer the questions. Within reason, guys. Come, you know, keep it clean. Uh, but yeah, please get in touch. Uh, please come into our Facebook group. You can interact with us. If you can't understand what I'm saying, let me know. If you can't understand what Tim's saying, let him know. You know, we can just all get along and be a big happy family. Uh, <laughs> guys, <laughs> anything that you want to uh, say before we let go? Uh, no man it's kind of like the silence in some ways is killing me but like you said I, I mean this is probably the only year that I'm like totally okay with the silence in the transfer market and everything like that let these guys rest and enjoy themselves uh, unfortunately some of them are not getting rest because they're in Copa America and stuff like that but uh, this team deserves deserves the rest after the season they had so just let them get it right now that's what it's about, fella. Go, though, any other business, mate? Yeah, the only thing that I would say is I really haven't – I can't pick out a bad Klopp signing. So the guy and his the team behind him obviously know what they're doing. So if they go through and decide that this isn't the year that we need to get, get somebody, I think they definitely deserve our support because I, I think they've earned it. Yeah. Go, though, I think all those forgetting someone, but I'm not going to say it. Anyway, guys, you have a wonderful <laughs> night. A lot of carriers. Oh, wait there. It slipped out. A lot of studies. <laughs> but anyway, have a great night, guys. And I will speak to you soon. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Have the red. <laughs>